I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics. C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this, talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hi, I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx. And you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. This is a podcast that celebrates muses, groupies, wives, girlfriends, all the women in rock and roll. If you would like to help out the rock and roll archaeology, head over to their website and hit support our shows tab to make a much appreciated donation. You can also head over to the shop and pick up some swag to support the network. Yeah. Wear it. Wear rock and roll archaeology shirts. Yep. Hats. And that that site is rockandrollarchaeology.com. That's right. Our guest today is none other than the amazing Bobby Jean Brown. Bobby has such an incredible positive energy, and she seriously makes you feel like you've been friends with her for ages. She puts you at ease immediately, and it's wild because... We already knew her voice and everything yeah. from listening to her audiobook and watching her XYZ of Rock show. Yeah. And then just, and of course, be- growing up watching the music videos. That's right. Been, it, it was definitely a delight getting to actually speak to her about her life and her career. Yeah. Yep. So Bobby first became a household name as a contestant on Star Search. She won a record-breaking 13 times on the show, which made her catch the attention of Hollywood and the rocker boys who lived there. Mm-hmm. After that, Bobby's career took flight. She was acting, modeling, and helping to create rock and roll history by starring in many music videos, including Warren's Cherry Pies. She's the cherry pie She's girl. She's the cherry pie girl. She actually tells 
tells a really interesting story about how she was almost Britney Spears. Yeah, and she talks about being on set for that cherry pie video, and that was also a very interesting story. So meeting Warren's frontman, Jamie Lane, led Bobby down an entirely different path, one as a wife and a mother. Bobby talks with us about those early years, about meeting Jamie, uh, what it was like to work in the industry, the lessons she learned through all those incredible, life-changing highs and lows. We also discuss Bobby's participation in the Ex-Wives of Rock reality television show, mm-hmm. her incredible memoir, Dirty Rocker Boys, which you can find on Audible, and the importance of female friendships and her adding comedian to her list of professions. Yeah. We've been following Bobby's life and career from the beginning. We're big fans of hers. We're big fans of X, Y, Z, Rock and her book. And it was just so great to hear that Bobby's doing so well for herself. And we can't wait to see her take over the comedy world. Okay. She definitely is so much fun to talk to. Really funny. Yeah, this was a great, great time. Enjoy the show. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. Its breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Casper also offers a wide array of other products, like pillows and sheets, to ensure an overall better sleep experience. They have free shipping and returns in both Canada and the U.S. How awesome is that? You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com muses and using the promo code muses at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, that's $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com muses, M-U-S-E-S, and make sure to use the muses promo code at checkout. It's um, really cool actually hearing your voice in this way because uh, I've heard it in so in in different places before. Like um, I've read your audio or listened to the audio book. I've also read the book, and so it's cool to be talking to you in person. We really really appreciate this. Thanks. Does it sound the same? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like your voice. You sounded like a man when you did your audio book. <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, <laughs> Well, I, whatever it was you're doing, I really liked it. Yeah. So I always like to do that. I like reading books and then listening to them too. And just it definitely adds another level when you hear the person you know telling their own story. Well, a lot of times people don't do their own audio books, so um, I really uh, pushed to, to let me do my own. Actually, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, that's a good choice. I would want to do yeah. my own. I would think so, but a lot of people, you know, like, don't have the time, or they're too busy, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, I I definitely wanted to do my own. No, I loved it, and it was it was a great book. Um, I'm listening to somebody's audio book right now, and it's narrated by somebody else, and she's getting all the names of the rock stars wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's such a dumb choice to not do your own, you know? I mean, I, I really liked doing my own. I really loved the process, and I thought that I added a little bit of something extra to it because, you know, like I would imitate voices or you could tell my emotion on certain things. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's it was way more important and more, like, personal, more intimate. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, well, um, to start the interview, uh, I thought we would go back and talk about your kind of first foray into the reality TV world. Most people kind of automatically go to XYZ of Rock, but you actually kind of began your career on Star Search, right? Right. What was that experience like? And you hold a record, don't you? Yes. Um, I won the most times consecutively than anyone in any category of that show. That's insane. Yeah, that was cool. It was a great experience, actually. It was a lot of fun. It was super surreal. It was um, a crazy fun time in my youth, and it really catapulted me and my career, actually, you know? Yeah, you were a teenager still, right? Well, well, no, I was 20, but, um, you know, basically a teenager, and... Yeah, and uh, it was it was fun. It was it was very cool. It was surreal, you know. Like I would go out and like that weekend would, you know, have you know, had an episode of me on Star Search, and people would recognize me. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, like instant celebrity. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. And then that's how, of course, Janie and Tommy saw me was watching that show. And uh, even though I didn't win the hundred thousand, which kind of sucked. Um, it, you know, was in repeat reruns for the following year. So it was essentially I was on for two years and I got a lot of work from that. So, yeah. Speaking of that work that you got from it, um, so you were modeling and then you came to music videos. Like you just said, Janie and Tommy recognized you. And I do have to say, I think that you have like a. Um, when I think people see photos of you, you have almost like an iconic look, I think, at this point. Like, I think we're, like, we put you in the category of, uh, you know, the, the pinup of, like, the Brigitte Bardot's and, like, but you were the, yeah, the music video vixen. or some people might of course remember you as the cherry pie girl because like I said it became so iconic but you were in also a few other videos um did you enjoy doing those I mean it looks like fun to me I've never been in a music video before though yeah um it was fun it was um you know back then at that time like that was the you know the hubbub of the MTV era so doing rock videos or any video for that matter was a big deal. Right. And, um, so, uh, doing them obviously was helping in my career as well. Um, they were long and tedious. Actually, they were, they, they would take a long, long time. I like the cherry pie video took me three days to three days. And, um, and there's a lot of prepping that go into, you know, like the, the, um, wardrobe, you know, trying ons and the makeup and the because the 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 record label wants you know to say okay or yay or nay on this or that so it kind of can be tedious and those didn't really pay that well however cherry pie did pay well um 
because at that point in my career, I was, I asked for more money, but generally they didn't pay a lot of money. Like, I think I got paid $300 to do great white. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, but I got paid more to do cherry pie, which was like 900. Good for you still for asking for more money. Yeah, but still not very much, but it was, it's still, you know, it was more than what they normally paid. But, um, um, the only problem with, uh, doing cherry pie was I didn't like the director. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was kind of a misogynist, you know, and surprise, surprise. We, yeah. We argued a lot about, um, things that he wanted me to do. And I didn't do a lot of things that they asked me to do. I did, you know, I did what I did, obviously. And a couple of those were still pretty, like, I was on the fence. Um, like when I got sh- shot in the face with the water hose, the fire hose. Oh, yeah. Was a- I was going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a real fire hose. And, um, oh, and that, that was like a car accident to the face, okay? Oh, my um, yeah, so when they did the one shot, uh, that's why I turn away my head really fast. If you watch the video, like I get sprayed and then I turn my head really fast because that shit was painful. And I told the director, I'm like, I hope you got the shot because I'm not doing that again. Right. So they use what they got because uh, that was not fun. Good for you for standing up for yourself. Jesus. I well, can't yeah, believe I, they, like, I, that they thought that was a good decision to just shoot someone with a fire hose. Like, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember when they, t- I mean, there were other things they wanted me to do that I just didn't want to do. Like, they wanted me to get naked in a bucket of whipped cream for a scene. And I was like, fuck, can I cut something here? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, fuck no. No, there's no fucking way. Oh, now somebody else, my mom's calling me. Hold on. Oh, now the phone's blowing up. The, the Wi-Fi's oh, working again. Radio right now. Call you back. Love you. Bye. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, Sorry. no, that's so sweet. My mom's like should probably text me soon too (laughs) um well speaking of moms and speaking of um you know growing up did you have a musical household like was music important part of your life so like did it feel natural to just fall into the music scene yeah my dad was a country singer and i used to perform um on weekends and he would i had a um, like the ironing room or the playroom in my house at the time um was also my dad's like you know like performing room, like, uh, what's it called? Rehearsing. And he would play guitar till late and then record stuff in my playroom. And I would sit and listen to him and watch, but yeah, him and his dad used to sing and uh, play guitar and all kind of stuff in our house. And so our house was definitely musical. And I grew up watching soul train and like dancing, uh, in my mom's like stuff bra, <laughs> uh, you know, to soul train. However, I was raised in the South, and it's very um, prejudiced there. I still loved, you know, R&B music. Like, I still listen to it, and they'd be like, she's listening to that black music. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, I was never prejudiced, you know, even though I grew up in a very prejudiced surrounding. But um, so, yeah, musical very much so. Hmm. Did you ever consider picking up an instrument or singing or anything like that yourself? Um uh, I had you did read the book, yeah. I had a record deal. Oh my god! I had a record right. deal with uh, Jive Zomba Records. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, at one point I was supposed to be um, basically I was supposed to be Britney Spears. <laughs> they yeah. hired me and do that whole thing, and then I got pregnant, and then they um, then they picked up Britney. Oh, I forgot about that. 
Yeah. Did you ever uh, feel like you missed out there, or are you kind of happy it didn't go that way? Well, because, you know, it was because of my daughter. Absolutely not. I mean, I wouldn't trade having her for anything, you know? Of course. Um, yeah. And I have to say that, you know, after all these years and, and all the choices I made, um, nothing has been as fulfilling as, you know, having my daughter and all the time that I missed trying to pursue this life um, is the only regret I have. Oh, um, interesting. Because, yeah, because it's not at the end of the day, it's really not worth it. It's not fulfilling. It's not what matters. It's, you know, your family and your loved ones. And I missed out on a lot of my daughter's life and I didn't get to be the mother I wanted to be because of that. So, um, that's the only regret I really have, you know, I get that. Um, speaking of your daughter and Jamie Lane and, um, when you guys met, you weren't really, he had his sights set on you. You weren't really convinced what finally brought you together and what was that like for you? Um, well, I got with him because I was screwed over by Matthew Nelson. So I was dating Matthew when I did the video and Janie was really pursuing me and I had a boyfriend, so I wasn't interested. And then, um, Matthew broke up with me and kind of did it in a really crappy way, as you know. Mm-hmm. So I was, mm, you know what? Um, screw you. I'm gonna, you know, call one person that's really gonna piss you off and get with him. So my intention was kind of mischievous to begin with because I, I hadn't really secretly had a crush on Janie or anything. Um, but I knew that it would piss Matthew off. So um, I reached out to Kathy and was like, yeah, me and Matthew broke up. And then Janie called me like five minutes later. And then I started talking to him. And then when we started hanging out, I realized that I did like him. And, you know, I was glad I was able to give him the opportunity to, you know, us to get to know each other. And things just happened naturally from there, you know. Yeah. Um, one thing that, so one thing that's been so much fun about doing this podcast here with Lynx is that we kind of grew up admiring, um, women like Patty Boyd and Anita Pollenberg. And as we've seen over the years and over the decades, like there's always these women that are, um, in and around rock and roll and they make the music machine work as well. But a lot of times, like either the women didn't get the credit or they didn't really get, you know, like the positive like they weren't really seen in a positive light so we just want to let you know that like we have you know read your stuff and we've been watching what you're doing and we definitely include you in that sort of piece of rock and roll history and I know that we're talking a lot about your past right now but we also really want to celebrate you for what you're doing now and all of those awesome things and also going into the future. One question that I do have, though, and I've never really considered it that much before, is how do you feel uh, like reliving your past over and over again with these, you know, these same questions? I know that you've probably answered um, the question about meeting Janie and talking about the music video. But do you ever feel like I'm sick of talking about it or... How do you feel? Oh, my God. Um, hold on. Jesus, sorry. I just put them on hold. Um, um, you know, there was a, probably a time in my life where I felt it was annoying. It was probably, like, my early 30s, and, and I remember just being like, ah, I'm so over this, and blah, 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 blah. That was um, the immature, ignorant me. Uh, 
Um, because the reality of it is, is that is how people know me. That is why people still want to discuss me or that I'm even relevant. And I needed to embrace that. And, um, so now with maturity and time, I have come to realize that, you know, I, that has been an important part of my life, my history, other people's history, you know, their memories, my memories. And, and that is what makes me relevant today. And I should embrace that and be grateful. And as soon as I, you know, became grateful for those things, even though there, you know, it, I had some tragic moments or some sad memories or whatever, everything has been my choice ultimately. And my experiences, experiences are my own. So, um, I now embrace, you know, that and I'm grateful for that. And that's why I am who I am today. So no, at this point in my life, I don't get sick of talking about that because I've now embraced it and I'm okay with it. Okay, good. I know that you've probably answered these questions a million times too. And um, even though, yeah, it's just like you never know as well who might never have heard this story before. So even if you've told it a million times, I'm sure there's going to be a couple of listeners that are going to go, oh, my God, I know her face and I know her voice, but I never really knew that person. So cool. That's a good attitude to have. Thanks. So you and Janie got married. You had this beautiful daughter. You're still so young. You're still like in your early 20s and then after Janie you had a relationship with Tommy Lee which was also just so many emotional highs and lows how were you dealing with all of that like what lessons did you come away with um well I I uh don't deal with stress or or trauma or disappointment or or any of that stuff very well I have a very bad response to, um, you know, feeling pain. And, um, so that's why I became a drug addict, you know, that's how I dealt with, with shit back then. And, um, you know, obviously it didn't, you know, go that well, it doesn't ever. And, um, so I, you know, had a lot to learn, you know, over the years and trying to cope with things that, you know, happened or the way that people are, because, you know, I'm not an opportunist. I'm not, um, I'm not a mean person. I'm not vindictive. I'm not, uh, I'm a very generous, loving person. And, and when I love somebody, I love them with my whole heart and I give everything. And, um, that, you know, that took away a lot from me and my life personally, but I'm just not a selfish person or a self, you know, self-serving person. So I guess that, you know, that's just something you have to learn over time. Like, you know, people that are the, that way will always be, you know, sucking off of people like me. And um, I have to just learn to figure out who's real and who's not. And that's a very hard thing to do in this town, you know. Um, so I've had to, you know, suffer a lot. But, again, it's made me strong, strong, you know, and who I am today. So... Um, and you know, I'm still learning. It's still a process. It's still hard for me to, you know, compute when somebody hurts me or does me wrong, because I just feel like, how can somebody be like that to somebody who has been so kind to you? Like, but some people are just shitty people, you know, and it's really hard to swallow, you know? Yeah. Um, well, 
growing up sort of as Canadians, and Lynx is from Toronto here, but I'm from a kind of a small town. It's um, almost wild to fathom that you you know, you moved when you were very young and to be in this kind of scene, yeah, you must have to be like looking out and wondering like who's really in it to be my friend and who's in it for this because, you know, even getting, even going home to your small town, people going, oh, you you have a podcast and I know that about you. You're like, wow. Like, I can't believe what it must be like to have, um, you know, like a book out and, you know, in reality television. Did you find that, um, by the way, we really, really loved you on Ex-Wives of Rock and a lot of our friends were so excited when we said that we were interviewing you because you were one of their favorite people on the show. Was that, um, do you find like reality TV, because we have no fucking clue, we have no idea. Is that, yeah. what, is that an accurate representation of you? Was there a lot of times where you watched it and you were like "Mm, that's out of context or were they sort of respectful in that sense of what you saw really was what you were getting well um so our show was um produced and correlated from a canadian company yeah yeah right so i have to say in comparison to any of the other shows that you see that's why you're able to watch it (laughs) yeah that are made here you know um and then go there um, it's a huge difference because of the editing. Like people in America, they want to bring out the worst in the in the in the people, or they'll put people who can't stand each other and you know and close circumstances, so they fight. Like that's what they get off on here, which sucks. And we were lucky to have a Canadian uh, company to work with because they really, really did us right. Like they didn't edit us out of context. They didn't you know, do anything that they didn't come come to us first with like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this or we're going to, you know, set up the scene like this. So, you know, like if ever there was a time we were like, no, we're not doing that. I disagree with that. They wouldn't make us, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, there's only, there was only one thing in the entire time we filmed that wasn't true. And that was um, that I paid for Athena's breast surgery. Um, I did not pay for her surgery. I did take her and I did take care of her and all that stuff. But they basically gave her uh, her surgery for free for airtime. And then they said that I paid for it. So um, that's the only thing throughout the entire all of the shows that you've ever seen that wasn't completely accurate. And I had to sign a contract saying that I wouldn't reveal that information until obviously we, we weren't filming anymore. So we're not filming anymore. And that's the only thing that the whole time that I ever had to agree to that I didn't want to, but um, had to because I was under contract. Well, that doesn't sound too bad considering what I can only imagine um, people on reality television shows have had to either sign or non-disclose. So overall, it was a pretty positive experience in reality TV world then, huh? Yeah, it was um, literally every single thing that you saw was legit, and our show was non-scripted, so everything that you saw really did happen the way it happened and the time that it happened, and, um, you know, I'm really grateful to say that I was a part of it because it was a wonderful experience, and they never, um, you know, projected me in a light that I felt was untrue to myself, you know what I'm saying? And. and I think that uh, I was, I'm really happy to be, have been a part of that show because it really was the best representation of any reality show I've ever seen. 
Amazing. Yeah, we I've talked about this with my friends too. Like we love you so much because you're so like open and you seem so unguarded. And I was wondering, like, have you always been like that? Like, have you always been an open person, or did you try to make a conscious decision like on the show? To like no. take advantage. Just here I am, yeah. and I'm gonna just share myself with people. Hon- honestly, I don't know how not to be like who I am. Um, if anything, people are always trying to um, stifle my openness and honesty because I I have a tendency to tell too much. But um, uh, I I'm not a liar, and I'm not a you know I don't tell fibs. I don't exaggerate. I don't do any of those things. I'm very blunt and very honest, very open. And like I said, I tell too much of the truth, but, um, I, yeah, I've always been that way. And people either love you or hate you for that quality. And in LA, people tend to hate you more for that quality because they don't want the fucking truth. Right. So, um, you know, (laughs) go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, probably those are the traits that are most sort of dominant in men in high-powered situations. If a man tells the truth and if he's assertive and if he's all these things, then that's going to make him the head of the company. Then all of a sudden you have a woman coming in telling everybody what's what and she's a bitch and she's an egg and she's all this kind of stuff. So I think um, – do you have you ever felt that maybe you have um, – like, obviously, you're feminine and beautiful and all this kind of stuff, but do you feel like maybe you kind of tend to lean towards the, I guess, more masculine energy? Yes. Yes, most definitely people would uh, would would say that I am a very masculine personality. Um, I'm, I have feminine, you know, qualities, obviously, but yeah. um, my personality tends to be very masculine and, and domineering, yes. I like that. I think that's also what makes your book so special, too, is just how open you are and everything. What was, when did you decide to write the book, and what was that process like? Um, I literally was doing interviews about this book that I hadn't even started four years before I even wrote a, a word. Um, because I always knew that I wanted to write one because over the years I've been mentioned and, like, 15 different um, rock books, uh, all by men, right? And every time I'd been mentioned in the book or whatever, it was either, I was either made out to be like this, you know, uh, you know, vixen, sexy starlet who was breaking hearts and all this stuff, and or depicted in a way that wasn't completely accurate and the stories weren't even real. Like, it was like a weird thing. So I was like, that's bullshit. Anytime I ever read, um, like a book that a rocker wrote and I was mentioned in it, exactly. I was like, that's not true. That's not how it went down. That's not the way it happened. Like I just, it would piss me off. So I go, you know, I really want to write a retort of, of sorts, um, from a woman's perspective from that time and be honest and self-deprecating. And, um, and I, that was my intention and that was my goal every every single time I started reading a book like that, I'd be like, okay, I really need to do this. So finally, somebody believed in me enough to actually get it out there, and I did. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do, 
With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, that's awesome, and exactly exactly what we are interested in. We always wanted to hear and read about and talk about that side of the story. I'm yeah. cu- I'm curious um, when certain people who are mentioned in your book um, heard that you were writing it or that it had been written. Oh, like Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> whose picture I had plastered all over my walls as a child. I would... Just wondering, did any of them sort of make an appearance again and sort of try to ask or find out what you had written or anything like that? Let's just say that when people heard I was coming out with a book, they all freaked out. (laughs) Because they they know me and they know my mouth. They know. They were scared. Like, oh, shit. Here she goes. Big mouth. What is she going to say? So, really, but, you know, the... The bottom line is when you write a book, if you tell the story in complete honesty, nobody can sue you. So I didn't say anything in the book that um, anybody could say a damn word about because everything I said was in complete 100% honesty and truth. And, um, you know, I never got one threat, one anything. There's a lot of people who weren't happy about some of the things I said, but I think that they were happier that I didn't say everything that I knew. So, you know, what what are they going to do? I was curious, do you ever read um, other people's memoirs that you, like friends of yours and, you know, wonder what the hell they're talking about in it or? Um, wow. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't understand why people wouldn't, you know, tell the truth. If you're writing a book, you might as well, you know, get the story right. Well, I mean, Tommy's book, uh, one of Tommy's books, um, I was completely omitted out of his life and his book, completely. That's crazy. Well, that's one thing, but we've noticed that, you know? We've noticed that. Like, even when we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even when we went to Stax Records, even when we went to Sun Record, like, Stax Record, like, the AX in Stax is a woman, and it was actually a woman who... 
um, when Elvis walked in those doors with his guitar, that she's the one that told him about Sam Phillips. And nobody talks about that. And back in the, like, 60s and 70s, the women who hung out with bands and inspired them and were the girlfriends and the wives, they were, like, all of a sudden it was a phenomenon. It was a social phenomenon, and they were welcomed, and they were celebrated, and then all of a sudden, around the 80s and the 90s, people started getting very judgy and very shamey about that kind of stuff. So then the women right. that were hanging out with musicians were totally ripped to shreds, you know, um, sluts, um, yeah. Groupies, yeah. I was never a groupie, ever. Yeah, well, you it's know, got a bad connotation, that word, over the years. Well, yeah, but I was uh, lumped in with that word because that's what they named those women in that time in that time frame. But there was never once that I ever went to some rock show and hung out backstage and hopes to get, you know, picked up and liked. And th- that's not how that happened at all. So anytime anybody says I was ever a groupie, I get pissed because I'm like, dude, I was married to a, a rock star and engaged to another one. I was never a groupie. I had my own career. I was famous before I ever met any of them yeah. on, on my own terms. And fuck you for saying I'm a groupie, you know? I think the problem is a lot of men especially have just used this term to to turn all women into, like, one specific thing and, right. like, something shameful. In right. Even when, like, for women who are just true blue groupies, it's like, good for them. They were doing what they wanted they to. They wanted to but, be there for sex, and that's that's okay. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, it's right. just this one label that is just smeared over, like, every woman in the, you know, that has anything to do with music. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, it's sort of, for a long time, sort of been used to, like, put women down or, exactly. you know, not give women credit for what they have given. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. Speaking of, you know, credit and women, and um, one thing about Ex-Wives of Rock that was really stood out as well, and not just on Ex-Wives of Rock, like if you go on your Instagram, you can see, like, how important your family is and your friends are. Uh, yeah. You have, it seems, so many strong bonded female friendships and we wanted to ask, like, about Sharice as well. Like, how did you guys meet? And that friendship seems really special. Yeah. Um, because I'm a girl's girl. She, yeah, I'm a girl's girl. And I I, um, I will never, you know, dump my girlfriend for a dude or, you know, that I was never that way. And I feel like girls who date married men are, are, are shitty. Like, I don't ever... Choose. I don't feel like women should ever be a in the victim position and or choose to um, hurt another female. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we have the power, and when women do things like that, that it lessens us as uh, a strong woman. You know, we've come a long way to be uh, able to be strength. And, and, and in leadership positions or to have the power of any sort. And when we do things like that, it totally diminishes, you know, everything that we should believe in or stand for. So, um, I feel like, so what, so back then I didn't know Sharice at the time and Vince Neil 
was performing a show and came up to me and hit on me. And she was in the room. She was across the room. And um, immediately I was, I shut him down and marched my ass right over to her and introduced myself with him following behind me. Like, oh, what the shit's she doing, you know? (laughs) I, I introduced myself just to, like, show him what a fucking piece of shit he was for doing that and that, you know, this... I'm going to put the fear of God in you right now. You know what I mean? Like, I just wanted to teach him a lesson. Like, how dare you? You're here with your wife and you're going to hit on me. Fuck you. So I walked over there and introduced myself to her. And then she and I became instant friends and, um, and have remained so ever since. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, I've never been liked really by the other band members because anytime they would, attempt to cheat on their wives and I was on the road and saw that shit guess who got in trouble they did because I would go right to them to the wife and be like this is what happened like so they didn't like me around really because like I said I'm a truth teller and I'm not down for that kind of shit at all and I feel like it's our responsibility as women to respect you know, the sanctity of another person's marriage or to not try and, you know, screw that person's boyfriend or, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't feel like it's necessary. There's enough men out in the world that you don't have to screw your sister over. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, that's how she and I became friends. And Sharice respects the fact that I'm a, a girl's girl. And I do feel that at the end of the day, you need you know, your girlfriends, um, that you can trust that are there for you, that, that, you know, you can depend on because I'm that kind of friend and I expect to have those kinds of friends. And when they aren't that way with me, then I've over the years learned to clip them and cut my losses and and move on because you got to have, you know, the strength and numbers with your girls and you, you, all you have at the end of the day is your family and your friends. And because no man, has so far proven to like be there for you. I mean, I'm sure there are some men out there that will be as good, but I haven't experienced that yet. You know, I do have a couple of guy friends that are, that are great and great to their women. And that's so incredibly, you know, inspiring, but like there's more that aren't than are so far that I've seen. And, um, you gotta have your girlfriends and you gotta have your family. So you know, that's just important, I think. It's wild when you've seen it all and you've done it all and you just get to the point where, you, and, you know, I was even watching something yesterday and, like, Tom Petty said the same thing. It can it comes a time where you look at around, look around at all the things that you have and it'll just hit you. It means nothing if you don't have your friends and your family. Right. And it's true. It's like, you know, like I said, I mean, I've lived this incredible life and people are like, you've lived this awesome life. And really the only thing I've missed is the times I couldn't be with my daughter, you know, and that breaks my heart. Um, if you don't mind me asking and you don't have to answer or we don't, you can cut it out or whatever. Um, how is your relationship with your daughter these days as she's getting older? Have you guys been able to find some common ground and develop a friendship? Oh my God, yes. I mean, we've, we're very close and we've always been close. It's just the time that I never was able to get back with her. But she and I can, you know, we talk about everything and anything and, and any, um, misunderstandings or moments in our lives that we had where, 
she was confused or, I mean, we've had our long talks and we've already, you know, said everything that you could possibly say. She knows how I feel and she forgives me in those moments. And, um, God, we love each other so much. It's, there's definitely no weirdness or, or awkwardness between us, you know? Um, and she's like my biggest fan, supporter, warrior, uh, you name it. And, uh, I hers, you know? Um, so yeah, we're awesome. We've always, you know, we've always had a communication. If we weren't in, you know, in each other's faces physically, we, we still were always able to talk because that's just one thing I've always had with her is I've always been completely honest with her too, you know? And, uh, at times she would freak out when she was young. She'd be like, uh, can I leave the room now? Because, you know, the things that my mom didn't talk to me about, like I had to learn the hard way with, which I felt was not cohesive. And, you know, like I never had the sex talk with my mom or had the, you know, those kind of things. And I feel like I did things way too early or too young and did things that I wish I had known better not to do had I known, you know? And, um, so with my child, I decided I'm going to just tell her everything and all the consequences that come with everything that I know and hope that she makes different choices. And she did like, she didn't have sex until she was almost 20 and she's still with that guy, you know? And that's some to me. And she tells me about everything. She tells me too much stuff. (laughs) I'll be like, okay, hold on. Let me, get my ear muscle on for a sec so I can the hear tables this, have okay. turned now it's you like no more <laughs> yeah I mean I would much rather her come to me and talk to me about these things than like have to figure it out on her own and like you know have to suffer for it so um I feel like it's a good thing to talk to your kids because they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for you know Oh, totally. It's so important to be having these conversations, especially um, with such easy access to iPhones and whatnot. We have kids as young as six and seven who are able to look up pornography. And, you know, pornography is to real life like action movies or pornography is to sex like action movies are to real life, you know. So, yeah, they you might think or they might think that, oh, well, they've got all the access. They can just figure it out for themselves. But really, like, they're being really misinformed. And, you know, in light of Me Too and everything that's going on with consent, it's really important to be having these open conversations, which obviously you understand because obviously you've had negative experiences. So have I. So has every single girl on the planet that I know. Yeah. So it's time yeah. to start having these conversations and... Um, make sure that our girls and our young boys are educated enough to know what's right. Yeah. Like, I feel like the internet is really, and, and any parent that depends on the internet and that type of thing to teach their children anything is making a grave mistake because everything that you see isn't really what is, right? It's what the person who's, you know, wants you to see. Like, whatever you put on the internet or anybody puts on the internet is a, a projection of what they wish they were, they are, they aren't. Like, nobody puts their ugliest photo up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not a realistic, human, intimate, um, genuine, uh, you know, uh, representation of anything happening in the world. So, like, to to rely on that is a, a big, grave mistake for a parent to depend on and um, without that interpersonal, you know, information that you would get, I feel is, uh, is, 
sad. Like I, I'm doing stand up comedy now and one of my topics are you still there? Oh yeah. We're hanging on everywhere and we were just gonna ask you about stand up. One of my topics is um, you know, where do these guys get their information from I go do people are these guys really thinking that porn is real is porn realistic to them in their minds because you know I'll get a a private message from a guy going um yeah can I you know I posted a video about it yeah can I uh see the pictures of you and Donna and Sharice and I'm like um yeah just check my feed there's tons you know and the guy's like no the private ones and I'm like um, oh, you must be the ones of us, you must be talking about the ones of us, um, when we're taking baths together, our naked <laughs> pillow What the fuck is it? What yeah, are the pillow fight about? ones. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, are you retarded? Like, do you really think that there's more to, like, what? So, I feel like these guys think that porn is real and that's how girls really behave. But then you have the girls that are online, like checking the oven in a G string, doing the splits, posting that, like just checking on my brownies. You're all, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not real. It's not real. Everybody's being sold this lie and then everybody's depressed about it. Right. And, and, you know, girls are bummed because, you know, Oh, they're objectifying me. Well, why are you checking the oven and and the g-string doing the splits, posting it? Like, give me a break. You you don't want to be objectified, but who does that? Seriously. Like, it it's really bad. And and I had dated a guy who's 16 years younger than me for four years. Josh, you saw him on my show. Sure did. Uh, and his whole, I've never met a man who had more uh, photos of his dick, photo shoots of his own dick, uh, <laughs> that wasn't in porn in my entire life. And that's the millennials. That was what he grew up on. Like, that was his porn, people sexting. And the gr- he had more videos of girls, you know, finger-banging themselves and, and naked photos than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was just like, what the hell? Um, I didn't grow up doing that. Like, that's he not something I We're that. even a bit old for that. Yeah, that's which just is not like, the healthiest. Which is, yeah, because we're just in our 30s now, and we're even a bit, like... We're like yeah. that wasn't my generation, no. right? Okay, so you get it. So yeah. you get what I'm. Yeah, it's so, kind of terrifying. It's really crazy. So when I, I like, well, I joined the dating apps because I've been single since last November, and um, the this is what the majority of my set is about is like being single in this day and age is like fucking terrifying and hilarious at the same time because of these people that are hitting me up and what they say and what they expect. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is never going to happen. I'm going to grow old because you know, I get pissed automatically. I'm like, you just swiped right. Motherfucker. You want me to send you a, a nude pic? Yeah. Um, get a grip. Like never going to happen. Uh, you know, I get freezer boil. I'll get like some completely sex, sexed out like message and expectation, or I'll get some, total other spectrum of a guy like can't wait to you know uh kiss your lips and get to know you on a a a different wave of being in life and i'll be like what intellectual intercourse yeah and i'm just like okay dude reel it back all right i don't even know you like what are you talking about so it it's a it blows my mind (laughs) and it's so unrealistic and 
I just go, wow, okay. So I don't even know what to think. So most of my set is about that, and it's pretty funny. And um, that's what what I'm doing lately. Sounds fun. uh, Is it a cathartic experience for you? It's crazy. Um, It's terrifying. Um, Most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Um, Because it's one thing to be funny in real life and with your friends and, and, you know, in every day. And it's a whole other thing to... Um, go up and intentionally make people laugh. Okay. It's a whole different thing. And, um, it is interesting and fun and terrifying and exciting all at the same time. And I'm totally reinventing myself at 50. And, you know, it's, it's cool. You're so it's brave great. to get up there and do that. I can't even imagine. I would be so Dude, stressed out. It's all about the bravery. Yeah. I mean, literally, I, I blacked out my first two shows and don't even remember going up on stage. Wow. Oh, we'd love to see you um, perform oh one of yes. these days. Good for you. I'm so happy that you're doing something that, you know, it probably terrifies you and you're probably maybe, like, r- rattled with anxiety the day before. But that feeling of once you've performed and you get yeah. off and you've played a good show must be something else. Yeah, I just headlined for the first time uh, Friday, which congrats. Blew my, yeah, it blew my mind, but um, I killed it. It went awesome, and um, I'm doing really well at it. I just before I have a show in the day, I just tell myself like, "You're gonna kill it. You're gonna. It's gonna go fucking great, and you're gonna be amazing." And I just have it in my mind that I'm gonna kill it. And it's going to happen, and that's just the way. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. It's just going to go down that way, and that's just the way it's going to happen. So, Yeah, you put that out there, and you believe yeah. it. You, that's, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Sounds like you're in a pretty great place. I mean, um, what other things are you doing in your life, just your everyday simple things? I know you were talking about having a lot of gratitude. Um, that just bring you joy. Yes. Um, I, I spend a lot of time with my nephew and they're about to move away to Minnesota, which I cry about every Aww. single day. It breaks my heart. Um, oh, I'll get choked up thinking about it, but, um, <clears throat> just having them <clears throat> here the last two and a half years have, you know, really fulfilled me and, um, oh, I'm crying. Hold on. Aww. And having that and then just doing this stand up comedy, I work on my, my online stores, and um, I just signed to do the sequel to Dirty Rocker Boy, Yay! which is exciting. Amazing. Yeah, I'm yes, I'm starting um, this month, actually, working on the second book, so that's exciting. Um, and with the same ghostwriter, Caroline, because we work so great together, so she's um, signed on to do it with me, which Good. I'm excited about. Yeah. I cannot wait yeah. for it. Yeah, we're excited. We want to do an even better one than Dirty Rocker Boys, so we're both really pumped about doing it. And um, and so I have that to look forward to. I'm really, really wanting to get um, Dirty Rocker Boys t- turned into a biopic. I'd like to ha- make that a movie. Hell um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so that's um, another thing that's on my bucket list. And... Um, and ultimately, I really need to start working out, like getting into shape and healthy, which is really the last thing on my list because I dread doing it, but I need to. Um, but besides that, that's that's really all you know. I I have going on. I'm I'm 
working on those things, and that's about it. That's a lot. That's a lot. It is, it is a lot. But you know what? If, if I didn't have it, I mean, I'm the kind of person that I get really dark if I'm not focused and have something to be busy trying to do. I get really depressed. So, um, I'm, especially since my family's moving away, I'm really, really, really right now trying to stay busy and, um, and, you know, to try and not think about how sad I am that they're leaving. But, you know, I'm, and that's why I started the whole comedy thing. Like, I'm like, I gotta do something, man, or else I'm just gonna fall to the wayside and get super depressed, get 300 pounds, you know? Yeah, no, it's real. I I was, everything is so beautiful in my life, and I'm so grateful for things. But just this past weekend, I was just so down, and I was so lucky to be able to rely on links. And I didn't have to give a reason or excuse. Why are you feeling? It, it's irrelevant. But it was just so nice to, you know, have links there for support. And I'm like you. you got to keep busy. And, yeah, yep. but it's so nice to just to know that and to hear you say, yeah, family, friends. And it's really wonderful to hear that you're in this great place. We're very, very happy for you. Thank you so much. I mean, I could sit here and, and complain about all the things that, you know, I'm sad about. But really, I gratitude is the only thing that will move you forward. And um, you can totally get stuck in that depressing place because I've been there. And it's not a good place to be. So, you just got to, you know, be grateful. The more you focus on your gratitude, the more you do. And, um, you know, yesterday I was super sad, cried, and ate an entire box of Oreos and slept until 1 today and was like, what? I have an interview in an hour. <laughs> um, I mean, literally I have, to, I have to pull myself out of it and think about the positive things and not, not be selfish about what I'm sad about. Like, I'm sad about my family moving, but the reality is, They'll be happier where they're going. They'll have more money and be able to bring their, you know, their son, my nephew, up in a wonderful place that's more stable than L.A. And, you know, she has family. They're like, it'll be the best scenario for them. And that's what I need to focus on instead of being sad for me, you know? So, All like, about celebrating what you have. Yeah, and I want the best for them. I really do. So, like... That's the only thing that brings me joy about it, and, you know, I have to focus on that, and I'll be sad, but still, I'll be happy for them. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing and seeing what you're going to get up to next and how you're going to take all of this wisdom and put it into another amazing book, and we really look forward to just watching your career as it continues to blossom. Shanti and I are going to head to L.A. next year, and definitely hope that you'll be doing a comedy show when we're there so we get to see that as well oh you can bet on it i definitely will be and um you're so welcome and thank you so very much and i'm excited to uh to get another book out there and and hope that you guys will follow me and you guys have been a pleasure to talk to thank and hopefully you. i inspired you in some way hopefully you do yeah. you have i'm actually pretty fired up i was exhausted today because i work with children and i was working with them all day long and this has definitely fired me up to just like keep on going and just, well, good yeah good thank you and when the next book comes up we'll we'll definitely do another interview yeah awesome 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 thank you baby Bobby, where can our listeners find you online, find your books, make sure that they can go see some comedy shows? What are the links? 
Okay, so um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can at um, Brown Bobby on Instagram or at Bobby Jean Brown on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I have a fan page, a personal page, Bobby Jean Brown, same. Um, I have an online designer vintage clothing store at BobbyJeanBrown.net. I also have a closet on TradeZ. Um, yeah, I have great clothes and accessories and, and you name it, and really, really great stuff. Um, I have celebrity closets that I sell in my own store. You know, I have other other celebrity friends stuff that I sell for them um, that they've worn and owned. And um, let's see, I have Dirty Rocker Boys. You can get anywhere online. I'm working on my second book. Let me think if I'm leaving anything out. Um, oh, and I perform at the Comedy Store, the famous, the world famous Comedy Store on Sunset Boulevard. Um, probably like once a month or once every two weeks. And we'll be starting in the Hollywood Improv um, as well. And I think that's about it. Oh, that's fantastic. And it really is so inspiring. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us and just allowing us to celebrate you for, you know, who you were in the past and how you got there and just the person that you are now, too. Because Yeah, you're amazing, Bobby. You are. Thank you, baby. You're so very, very welcome. Thank you. Good. And that's the end of another interview. Yeah, Bobby is so amazing. She's so warm and personable. Such a pleasure talking with her. It really was. It um, exceeded my expectations. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that she talked about was how uh, the Canadian network yeah. from her reality show really portrayed her the way that yeah. she was. Yeah. It made me feel really proud to be Canadian. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I was actually talking about Bobby with some friends of mine a couple days ago, and uh, a friend just read her book and was like, this is me, this is me. And I'm like, yes, I know. Like, I, <laughs> She's just, she's amazing. And, yeah, you really feel a connection with her. Yeah, and you can have a connection with her if you go and check out her stand-up comedy in L.A. I know that if I lived there or was in the area, I would definitely uh, want to go, watch absolutely. her perform, and then stick around and meet her afterwards. Yeah. I bet she's got a bunch of groupies of her own. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, make sure to check out her book, Dirty Rocker Boys. You can find that on Audible, and it's in, in Am- on Amazon. Amazon. And it's her in her own voice, which is amazing. And uh, Can't wait for her next book. Exactly, yeah. And make sure to check out all the other amazing podcasts on the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network. And until next time, our rock and rollies. Yeah. We love you. Rock on. <laughs> Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read Podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together. 